0: Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. Many schools around North America... (laughs) and the rest of the world, for that matter, are continuing to deliver teaching and learning online because of COVID-19. And the primary method of orchestrating instruction is the use of video conferencing tools like Zoom and Google Meet. Video conferencing in education was adopted more out of emergency, and educators are looking for a more powerful, possibly awe-inspiring alternative to this. So I invited Steve Grubbs, CEO of Victory XR on the show today to talk more about the exciting things his organization is doing related to remote teaching and learning. Welcome to the show, Steve.
1: Thanks, Craig. Very happy to be here.
0: Awesome. This is a standard question I usually ask all my participants on the show, and that's what got you started with VR in the first place?
1: You know, uh, the first time almost anyone tries virtual reality uh, they they realize that it's something very significant that it is not an evolutionary step forward but a revolutionary step forward. And in so being as a as an entrepreneur, I tried to think of, uh, you know, where would it best fit in my world? Where where could I contribute to uh, virtual reality? And so so that is how I got started. And I, I knew um, from the very early days of uh, when I tried a New York Times, uh, basically it was 360 video, but, you know, dropped my phone in and tried it. And I, I knew that it was something I wanted to be involved with.
0: Hmm. A standard answer by many like you is, you know, once people actually experience it to whatever degree, they are hooked and they see the efficacy and they see the, you know, the wonder and the curiosity that it can instill in people, whether it's for entertainment, enterprise, or uh, in our case, education. Yes. Let's talk a bit about your company. Victory XR has been offering – a large variety of what we might call asynchronous VR applications, which means they could be used at the learner's own pace and time. Can you give us sort of a a sense for how that works?
1: Yeah, we started off, you know, when we started in this, there really wasn't anybody else or not many doing this type, creating curriculum and learning uh, opportunities and experiences in virtual reality. And, and so from the very beginning, you couldn't look around and say, Well, what are others doing yet? You had to figure it out on your own. And so um, I, I just thought, How can we contribute to education? So I, I hired a curriculum specialist and then I brought on board uh, Wendy Martin, who was a national finalist for Teacher of the Year. And we began creating, we, we landed on science and we thought, Okay, if we were to create supplemental learning for science topics we how would we do that so our curriculum specialist said start with the next gen science standards which most american states are adopting and, and and work through those standards and so we looked at the standards and we looked at how we could contribute we also looked at what are the different types of experiences that can be created in virtual reality and so you know sometimes it might be a, a, a 360 video that's on graphic steroids. Or other times it might be a true virtual reality experience where the user is manipulating their environment and perhaps playing a learning game or, or just simply learning. And other times it might be sitting in a giant screen theater watching a learning video on a particular topic. And even though, say, for example, in that 2D video, one could you know watch that on a television or a laptop, the experience for the student, first of all, being completely engaged in that, completely surrounded by that with no distraction, gives them a higher retention rate than than doing it otherwise. So so we began creating all of these different experiences and blending them into uh, what we call a a hub world for, for each unit. And so we ended up creating uh, 24 units for middle school, 24 units for high school. And we launched that about two years ago. And that's, and that's still a, a big core part of our product lineup.
0: And I've tried some of your products and, and I appreciate that. And thanks for letting me sort of have a taster of those. And the other thing that struck me about a lot of your learning experiences is in the physical classroom, a teacher might set up what we call stations. And in these stations, a student gets a plethora or variety of different learning activities. And your hubs that you talked about in VR act just like that. You'll enter a room and in the room, the student has this agency to kind of explore and look around. And then they have all these little learning hubs and they can go at their own pace. And, you know, they can sort of pick and choose where they want to start and finish. But, you know, it equates to how I remember setting up learning stations within my physical classroom, which I think is brilliant because kids often in direct instruction, they don't get any control or agency. They just sit there and they're a blank slate and the teacher sort of shoves content down their throat and they have no say in the matter.
1: Yeah. You know, there's an interesting debate in the virtual reality world about learning. You know, How much should you recreate what exists in the real world and how much should you create fantastical learning environments for students to learn in. And we try to strike a middle ground there because we, we do believe that as as people are adopting virtual reality, that they need one foot in the real world. So for example, we'll have a, a an auditorium that looks like an actual college or high school auditorium to learn in or a science lab. But at the same time, we will put you on a we'll let you beam up Star Trek style to a starship and do a spacewalk to learn astronomy or or go to dinosaur Island to learn paleontology or, uh, you know, in in our dissection, you can dissect the fetal pig a hundred times and and never, uh, and never smell it or feel it, or I guess you feel it haptically, but, but these are the opportunities that we think create a, a better learning environment. And, and we try to blend the two.
0: I know it's like uh, trying to put you in a corner and pick a favorite child within your family. Do you have a favorite experience from the massive library that you uh, have curated for Victory XR?
1: Well, the experience that certainly has lent the most credibility and uh, benefit to the company has been our original frog dissection. Uh, Wendy Martin is a 20-year veteran of the classroom. She's a female in STEM. She's an award-winning teacher, and along with our, our 3D object creators and and Danny, our coder, uh, she did a fantastic job of really walking students through the process of of picking up the scalpel and and opening up the the frog, and then grabbing the tweezers and pulling out organs and and all of these things that that really can be done in the real world, but but she does it and she teaches so well. And you know, here's one of the other things, Craig that. I think you completely grasp. As we all know, uh, when I've got four kids. And so when your children go through school, most of the teachers are good. Some are great, but there are a few teachers that aren't so great. And and every parent sort of talks among themselves about the, the teachers they hope their student will get, the great teachers. Um, the great thing about what we're trying to do in virtual reality is we're trying to find the world's best teachers. And Wendy Martin is one of the world's best teachers and probably the premier teacher in virtual reality today. Um, And if you can give every student in the United States or every student in the world or Europe or Asia access to the very best teachers, those who just have that very unique and unusual gift for teaching, then that lifts all boats. That reaches a level of equity and equality that that people have talked about for for a long time. But, you know, we believe that we are actually delivering it.
0: Let's talk about that for a minute, which is what I might call synchronous learning. So this is real time where the teacher is actually live and interacting with you. Uh, Again, I, I can't help but sort of say that it's been a tough time for educators who have tried to transition towards a remote learning classroom when, your tool is video conferencing which has so many drawbacks but to do this in vr is a whole new world how does that look what are some things that uh, make it so special and a lot better for sure than video conference learning
1: yeah that, that great great question and i have zero doubt that in the next 3 to 5 years that this group Virtual reality learning, the synchronous learning inside a virtual reality environment, will become a part of every school district in the United States, every child's learning experience because it's such a powerful experience. So I, I'll give you a couple of examples. Let's take art history. You know, whether it's high school or college, and potentially even starting in middle school. Um, one of the we know that learning kinesthetically or learning by doing makes a big difference. If, if you do it, then you, you know it. And, and, you know, you can read about it or you can watch a video on it. But until you actually do it, it, it's hard to say that you know it. And so what we have is in our art history, we start with a blank museum space, art space. And the students get to choose their, their period of time in art or their, uh, their style of art they're artists. They get to choose those. They curate their own art exhibit. They have to learn about that art exhibit. And, and we recommend doing this in groups of twos, threes, or fours. And then each student gives this group, gives a tour of the art museum, the pieces of art they have personally curated, and they tell teach about or tell about each particular piece of art, whether it's a painting or a sculpture or whatever the case might be, To whoever the guests are. It might be a a tour of parents who are coming through the exhibit on their computers, or it might be other students in in the same class or another class. And so the fact that students today can, in, in a traditional way, I mean, museums are very traditional, paintings and sculptures are very traditional, but how many students in the history of the world have had the opportunity to curate their own exhibit with the world's greatest? Pieces of art, and then give a tour in the museum of their curation. It's it's even though it is a very traditional thing to do, it's something almost no student ever gets to do. And everybody's in there as a group, the the attendees of the exhibit, and those that are uh, putting on the exhibit.
0: You know, you just basically hit the nail on the head. A lot of schools, including the one I'm at right now, are trying to wrap their head around grade 12 exhibitions for all sorts of subjects beyond art. And they can't sort of think of a way that would allow, as you said, enough people to be able to share the creations of the students in a safe distancing manner. So that's a great example. Do you have any other examples you might want to provide the audience about how VR is not only maybe a better communication tool or medium beyond video conferencing, but also, as you alluded to, may be better than the physical classroom itself in some instances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In our comparative anatomy class, we compare the anatomy of a pig to a human because it surprises a lot of people to hear this, but but humans and pigs actually have very similar anatomies, but they're different. And so, for example, uh, Wendy will take her hand, she will reach it down into the cavity of a human, and she will pull out the heart. Now, of course, that's not going to happen in the real world. She'll pull out the heart, and she'll hand it to the student to her right, and that student will look at it, and that student will hand it to the student of his right. And then that student might take that heart, which is, you know, roughly the size of your fist, and expand it so that it's seven foot tall, and then step inside that human heart. And, and, and the teacher can step inside the human heart and point out the cavities and the ventricles, or each student can have their own human heart. They can all be standing in the heart as their instructor teaches them about it. And then, boom, the instructor presses a button. All the hearts are gone. Next, she reaches into the pig and pulls out the, the heart of a pig. Same thing. Enlarge it, step inside it, learn about it, And then poof, it's gone. And there's no way that one can gain a greater understanding, even with a a human or or fetal pig dissection cadaver. It it just is not possible as having the ability to have a perfectly recreated heart and to step inside it.
0: Steve, I was going to have pork chops for supper tonight, but I think I've changed my mind based on that example, so. (laughs)
1: We sell a lot of pork here in Iowa, so do you have your pork chop.
0: Uh, You wrote an article recently, which I read and found very interesting, um, and it was about the efficacy of schools designing something called digital twin campuses. Tell us a little bit more about that, because I thought that was a really good read.
1: Yeah, we are in the process of building a a campus. It's not publicly announced yet but uh, we are building a campus in the United States. Uh, this campus is a traditional campus. It's a very storied American university uh, with some of the most famous alumni in the world. And, but many of their students don't, don't live near campus. They learn online or learn remotely. And so what we are creating allows those students to be on campus, to have a familiar sense of the actual campus, they can they can uh, stand on the quad. Uh, students can sit down in groups and, and meet on the quad um, or they can uh, they can play bag toss. And then when it's time for class, they just head into their math class. Their science class uh, will be teaching a men's health class at this university. Um, actually, their professors teach it. We just uh, provide the 3D objects and the classroom spaces and a few other things. But, but this concept of digital twin real estate is something that as we transition to a re- remote learning world, a work from anywhere world, a learn from anywhere world, as we transition to that, digital twin real estate will become very important because people still need places to gather. Now, you could gather in the void, but but humans need structure and they need uh, objects and walls and and display boards and uh, paint and canvas and all of the things that come with learning or working. They still need these things. And so what we do is we build the, the digital twin version. and And a digital twin is exactly how it sounds. You take the real building, the real object, the real machine. And you create a twin of that, a 3D spatially correct twin that that is exactly like the real thing, just built with bits instead of atoms. And so, you know, when you think about Ready Player One or you think about um, you know other science fiction stories, we are there today. And you know, we may not be as robust as some of the what we've seen and read about in science fiction, but we're there.
0: I can't help but think about the transition you mentioned and, and, and getting, um, you know, I want to use the term vagabonds or, or innovators like Wendy Martin to come into after years of teaching in the physical classroom into the virtual classroom and hone their skills. I mean, we see memes right now about, all the different goof ups and miss ups using video conferencing, you know, and forgetting to turn yeah. the the mic on and off. What are some things that a teacher who is interested in teaching in the virtual world might have to think about, you know, is the, you know, what's it like teaching in VR and you know, how do how do we support them?
1: Yeah. So step one is converting your real world lesson plan to a VR world lesson plan. So, we actually created a lesson plan converter. Uh, We have a site called victoryxr.academy. And uh, educators go there and they take their real world lesson plan and, and convert it. So that's step one. And so when you're converting a lesson plan, you have to think about, okay, first of all, what is the classroom space that I want to teach in? So obviously in the real world, if I'm teaching paleontology, I'll do it in a science classroom, maybe an auditorium. In, the, in our world, you might choose uh, Dinosaur Island. So that's that's the first thing is choose your learning space. It can be a traditional class or it can be something much more fantastic than that. And second, you need to figure out what your 3D objects will be. And, and this is a big, long build-up process, but we've got about 3,000 3D learning objects. Now, if if, if your listeners aren't familiar, familiar with the 3D object, It's basically another word for what we just talked about, a digital twin. So, for example, um, we have a professor from the University of Alberta who teaches uh, molecular biology. And so he has these fantastic molecules that he's uh, created. And so, you know, how do you learn about molecules except for, you know, when I was younger, we looked at photos of them or or drawings of molecules. Well, he allows students to expand their molecule and step inside and to look at it and see how everything fits together. So that's you have to decide what your 3D objects are. So in history, maybe it's going to be a flintlock gun. Uh, maybe it's going to be uh, the Great Wall of China. Uh, it can be a lot of different things. So convert it, choose your space, choose your 3D objects, and then uh, you work on your lesson flow. And your lesson flow is going to be very similar to, to your real world classroom, but a little bit different, just because uh, you will almost always have a lot more kinesthetic or learning by doing uh, teaching instruction than you would in the real world. And you might also, we encourage teachers to, you know, choose their favorite 2D videos, because each, each classroom is outfitted with a 2D screen to show a video. Um, we also offer uh about 120 uh 360 virtual reality field trips so for example if you're teaching history and maybe you're teaching civil rights history in the united states you might want to show the 360 video of martin luther king or rosa parks or or uh ruby bridges and so you might choose one of those and, and take students into that world to to stand where they stood uh if you're teaching science you might choose one of wendy wendy martins uh, Uh, anatomy uh, field trips. So there's a lot to it. But, you know, I've gone on and on. It sounds like it's hard, but it's really simple. The converter that we have, our online converter, allows you to shop through the uh, 3D objects, through the classroom, and you can do the whole thing in about 30 to 60 minutes.
0: Steve, as you were explaining that, I couldn't help as a veteran teacher to think about, you know, we're taught Within, let's say, a, a 60 minute or a 45 minute lesson, we're taught to offer a multitude of experiences within that. And that is quite challenging in the physical classroom. Like you said, you've got to get your resources lined up. You know, can you maybe start out the lesson with a catchy introduction and then transition kids slowly towards maybe a hands on activity? When you described uh, a number of different things there, that to me, that made it so much easier to offer a plethora of learning activities all within one short little 40-minute. You can take them on a field trip. You can offer them objects. You know, So the transition towards offering multi-modalities within teaching and learning sounds fantastic within VR.
1: Yeah. If, if you think about it, a 40-minute class might include the class opens up in a traditional classroom. The teacher provides five minutes of instruction and then shows a a three minute video from YouTube. Any of the hundred million videos that have been collected in one space or from CuriosityStream, you can show a a video and then you say, "Okay, you know, now let's uh, I'm going to pass out these 3D objects, which which might be a, a tool or an object or a molecule or an organ and each student gets their own. They get to learn kinesthetically from that, and then the teacher says, okay, great. We've done that for 20 minutes. Now we're going to go on a field trip, and field trip takes uh, seven to ten minutes. Um, Then they come back to the class. They have a final discussion of what they've learned that day, and then the students are told, if you you need to review some of this again, just log into your account, and you can uh, go to that field trip on your own uh, asynchronously, Uh, or uh, you can also, I've recorded this entire class, so you can just sit through this class again if if there's something that you missed and you want to review again. So that Mm -hmm. class is saved in the content tab,
0: boom. Eventually, we're waiting with bated breath that the world will come back to normal and hopefully COVID-19 is sort of gone. And everyone talks about what lessons we can learn from this pandemic. And One example of that is uh, I'm right now living in Singapore and the Singapore government actually just announced that home-based learning days will soon be a regular part of the school year for all secondary and college students after the pandemic. So I can see many schools around the world Seeing merit to this blended learning model where kids have to struggle a bit and sort of stretch their independent learning skills, how might virtual reality support an initiative like this if it was rolled out more around the world?
1: Yeah, so the great thing about Singapore, and I read, I read that same thing that obviously piqued my interest. Um, if I'm, we have a, a fair number of homeschooled parents in the United States. As you know, homeschooling in the U.S. Is, is a very big deal. Millions of children are educated that way. And so it'll just become a bigger deal now. Uh, so those parents either use our, uh, our, our pre-recorded content, our simulator content, content asynchronous, or they come into our live classes on the Victory XR Academy. Or, or they subscribe so they have access to all the pre-recorded classes. So they, you know, Wendy Martin, they can have, you know, National Finals Teacher of the Year teaching their students. So this is, um, it's a big deal. It's going to take hold. It's going to sweep the world. And and here's why. Um, if you think about equity in education, whether somebody's homeschooling or whether they're at a a an actual school, you know, the equity in education is always a big conversation in the United States. I used to be in our state legislature. I chaired the education committee and, and you know, everything is about how do we, how do we provide equal opportunity, equal resources? Um, well, the wealthier school districts, they can afford to build a, a multi-million-dollar science lab, typically costing 3 million us. But if you're in a poor school district, your voters might vote no on a bond referendum, or you just don't have the money to do it. Well, For literally a fraction of the cost, creators like us can now build that science lab and more for next to nothing. The the cost of the headsets plus the licenses is still a small, small fraction of what it costs to build one simple science lab. And so it's, it's something that needs to move forward and we're looking at it for, for kids in juvenile detention. We're looking at it for uh, so many other opportunities. And and we're ex- very excited about the opportunities that are presented to us in 2021.
0: You've kind of alluded to this, Steve, but I want to crystallize it a bit more. Education sometimes is slow to adopt emerging technologies like VR. What's been the greatest challenge or barrier Regarding the adoption of VR in education.
1: You know, the the greatest frustration was knowing what we were working in, how important it is, and waiting for the price of the headsets to come down. And, you know, really with uh, the the Pico Neo 2, the Vive Focus Plus, and the Oculus Quest 2, these three headsets have really paved a way for for synchronous uh, group learning. And so now that we have overcome the issue of cost, you know, it it still costs something, but it's not significant. It's not overly significant. Uh, Now the issue is simply, first of all, getting focus away from COVID remote learning at some point, getting people to focus on this and, and, and getting schools to try it and to execute properly. That's why we've built all these tools, because we don't want teachers to go into this and, and be completely lost. So um, mostly it's just been waiting and we're a startup and we have to keep our employees paid, even though revenue might have been light. Partners like Microsoft and Qualcomm and HP and Vive have, have helped keep us afloat. Thank goodness. And they have a vested interest in companies like ours succeeding. So, um, now that I, I really believe that 2021 is the year where we really start hitting that hockey hockey stick curve and, and start seeing a lot more adoption. And we're seeing that every day, people calling us, asking us uh, to test or to purchase a few licenses.
0: As we wrap up, Steve, is there anything else left unsaid that you feel the audience might want to hear as it as you guys start to ramp up? More and more teaching in the virtual world.
1: Yeah, I would encourage members of your audience to just try it, whether it's with with Victory XR or with an, one of the other providers out there. Just try it. Um, I, I can't speak for other countries, but in, but I know that in the United States there are so many grants that are looking to fund uh, opportunities like this. We can point people in that direction and and. Uh, uh, Others can, and simply Googling it, you'll find a lot, but there's so much opportunity. And unless people have the willingness to be a pioneer, nothing great ever happens without early adopters and pioneers. And that's what we're looking for is people to work with. And, and we just launched a program where we have a grant program for teachers to, to teach with us uh, in exchange for receiving an Oculus Quest 2. Uh, or some other headset, they, uh, they they teach five classes. They go through our learning program. They get a certificate that they are Victory XR certified for VR learning. Um, we'll be doing this hopefully every quarter of this year, and so we have uh, I think forty five applicants for Q one of twenty twenty one, and we'll hopefully do it every quarter. So stay in touch with us, and we will uh, hopefully be building larger and larger classes.
0: What's the best place to stay in touch with you. The website which you alluded to earlier, or are there other avenues that you can have people get in touch with you? Either if they're a interested in having their kids experience learning either synchronously or asynchronously through you guys, or if they're a teacher out there listening saying, yeah, I'm interested in becoming a pioneer in this new uh, field or realm.
1: Yeah, so start at victoryxr.com. VictoryXr.com. And if you fill out one of those forms and just add like more information, uh, we'll send you more information, and we'll also put you on our email list so that you you know what's happening, and you can always opt out of that. So uh, that's number one. Number two, uh, I I try to personally engage with people. You know, maybe someday the company will get too big for me to do that. But if you come to my LinkedIn page, uh, Steve Grubbs, Victory XR. Uh, and, and connect with me i as I think Craig will tell you, I try to be very responsive and um so i I'd love to to have you i'd love to be in your orbit and I would love to have you in my orbit
0: yes you're you're quite amazing sometimes I think you don't sleep, but uh uh you are quick at at getting back to people so anyway, Steve, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh I wish you all the best in the new year and uh I hope, like you, that uh, VR does continue to trend on the upward.
1: Craig, uh, let me just thank you for, A, being one of those educators in the world who is an early adopter, is a pioneer, making all of this happen. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show.
0: Awesome. Bye for now.